Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. We are all set. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 264. KB and Matt coming at you live from Underground Studios. And man, oh man, we got we got to tell you guys, you know, we're super pumped. They hooked us up big time uh, with a giant care package this week. And that's why support for Underground Sports Philadelphia is brought to you by our friends, at Manscaped, who are the best men's below-the-waist grooming company on the planet. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 that Matt and I both got. Uh, very excited to take a look at that. Can also be used for your face. You know, I've got, I've had the beard rock and Matt's got the mustache and everything. Yes. It can be used for facial hair trimming as well. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. It's one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand to show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you, as my t-shirt says if you're watching live on Twitch and Facebook. And like I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code USP. And of course, our show would not be happening the way it is. Manscaped wouldn't have found us if it wasn't for our local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree. Check out our storefront at dsgntree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Eagle season kicks off on Sunday. Go gear up for the birds. Get your Victory Monday t-shirt. All of our Eagles merch, all of our Phillies merch. Gear up for next Sixers and Flyers season as well. 
and use the promo code DSGN5 at checkout at designtree.com. Saves you five bucks off your order. And then I'll talk to you guys a little bit later about our awesome friends over at Tomahawk Shades. You see me wearing the Blue Light Plus glasses every single show, live on Twitch and Facebook. We'll talk to you guys about them later on in the show. What's going on, Matt? Good to have you back in studio. It is uh, quite an eventful show. Lots of stuff has been happening, and since we've last done a show, unfortunately, the Philadelphia Flyers fell in seven games to the Islanders, and just not the best effort in that game seven, I'd say. Yeah, not what you want out of a must-win game to complete what would have been an epic comeback in a series and go to a conference finals. Meekly went out, I would say. Certainly didn't go out swinging. Uh, even after that first period, it seemed very unlikely that the Flyers were going to be ma- making any kind of noise. Um, yeah, I mean, it's frankly it just sucked. You know, to lose the game seven in of itself would have been difficult, but to be just frankly manhandled the way that we were, um, pretty rough. But to be honest, that had been for a lot of the series. You look at the games that we we didn't win a single game in regulation. Uh, we won them all in overtime, and we nearly lost all of those games in the end. Um, two of those games we were leading late into the third period and gave up leads and had to choke it back. Um, and I, I think in all those ones too, we were outshot. You know, I, like I know in Game Six, what it was, it was like there was a twenty-something difference between shots between us and the Islanders. I mean, to, to be very to be very honest, if we were on the Islanders' side, uh, we would have been frustrated, incredibly so, if we had lost that series because fr- the Islanders outplayed us. That it went to seven games is um, pretty amazing <laughs> just because it really wasn't that close of a series. I don't think. I think if you play this series ten times, this is like the one outcome where it goes this far um, just with how we just looked pretty bad. And uh, as a whole team, I think never really got – the groove going it didn't help that Coots got hurt and was, and was playing hurt for game seven but um you know at the end of the day yeah, this team has to be better next year when it comes to these more meaningful games because you know this was a, a much much different team from what we saw even from the playing games but even when you go back to the regular season that team was from top to bottom performing at such a better level um someone like TK who had a really really rough restart in the bubble I don't know what it was exactly with him Claude obviously wasn't exactly lighting up the score sheet, but was finding other ways to be effective. Um, but all around, I, I think just um, some bad performances and, you know, some injuries, well, which didn't help and some absences. But, you know, there's still, I, I think, positivity more than there's ever been with the end of a Flyer season. Um, but not a great sign that, I mean, let's not forget to that Canadian series was really rough. And that was a team that wasn't even technically a playoff team. Um, just because of the circumstances of the season and the way that the formatting of the restart went, they were, but that that's not a team that, you know, they weren't even going to be an eighth seed. You know, they like, this was a team that was not very good and took us to six games and it, it wasn't exactly an easy series, an easy handle, but, um, so it's 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 a really rough exit in terms of performances. But I think if you're looking at the whole picture, there's things to be positive about for the Flyers going forward. You you look at this team and what they were able to do in the round robin portion of the playoffs, and then it was just like something happened. Especially like even in the Canadian series, like 
they struggled a bit playing against a, a team that, like you said, wasn't even really supposed to be a playoff team in normal circumstances. And then they couldn't win a game in regulation against the Islanders, had to go to double overtime to force the game seven. And I think that ultimately gassed them um, to the point where that game seven, it was, you know, as soon as the Islanders scored that first goal, it almost felt like the game was over. It was very low energy. That's why I said, like, even at that first period, I was like, I don't see a way. Like, it wasn't even like, okay, you know, you kind of got sucker punched. Like, they were, and, and that's the way that this series went, though. You know, like, that wasn't out of the usual. Like, the Flyers, I think, got a little lucky to have gotten to, mm-hmm. to a game seven in this series because it felt so often that the Islanders were controlling the game, but we were getting. You know, catching them on breaks up. And I mean, that's part of a style, right? Like, and we have the ability to score that way, but obviously, as we saw, it's not sustainable. You know, you, you don't really win hockey games doing that. <laughs> Just with these kind of like flash in the pan, you know, quick turnaround types of plays. Like, if you can control possession that the way the Islanders did so much in this series, control the game flow. I mean, you do that in any sport and you're winning. But yeah, I mean, even when you go back to the round robin when we were winning, we noted, and I think a lot of people did, that it wasn't your usual suspects scoring either. You know, even all the way back then, even though you're beating these good teams, the signs were there that, like, this team wasn't, you know, we, we didn't see it at the time because we were just obviously excited to have hockey back. We were excited that they were winning, beating other good teams. But, I mean, now when you look at the bigger picture, like, even then, you know, your your usual suspects weren't scoring, right? It was a lot of... You know, fringe guys, or like even like a lot of defensemen scoring. Like Sanheim scored like that one beautiful goal, right? Like it was not 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 the, ideal. Not the performances that you'd necessarily want. Um, while the results were good, I don't know that you'd like walked away from those round robins thinking like, wow, you know, like everyone's playing well. It's like, all right, we even said, you know, we beat these teams with, you know, kind of the top guys not scoring. Now if they start to catch fire, and it felt like we were waiting and waiting mm-hmm. and waiting for guys to start scoring and the power play to improve as the playoffs went on and it never really clicked for this team uh which is really frustrating because this this felt like a very talented roster that that could have won a championship like it, they were they were right there for it but um i don't know what happened i don't know if it was a, a preparation issue there's obviously some questionable decisions made coaching wise line wise um you know that i think deserve criticism but ultimately just from top to bottom not a great effort uh, in this series from the Flyers yeah and the season comes to an end and it was even more painful after watching uh game one between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the the Islanders to see the Islanders absolutely get the piss beat out of them um and I saw a great tweet I forget who it was from it might have been Charlie O'Connor uh who said the same Flyers fans who are clamoring for, you know, wanting what Tampa Bay has would be the same fans bitching and moaning that the talent that Tampa Bay has hasn't been able to get over the hump for the past, you know, half decade. Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay got beaten in the first round by the Blue Jackets last year when Swept. they were the best, when they're like a historically great regular season team. Um, the Flyers were a, a very good regular season team, kind of caught like the last two thirds of the season were really, really good. Obviously, came back at a strong restart. They weren't really a true number one seed. They, again, it was just by circumstance. Um, whereas the Lightning, you know, have had two, three years now of like sustained improvement and really, really great stuff. But the Flyers, I mean, Flyers can be on that path. I don't know that they'll have the scoring and and kind of the 
<laughs> the, the firepower that the Lightning possess. But this is still a very strong team, and that's why I think there's room for positivity You know, going forward. I, I think, again, when flyer seasons have ended in the past, it's felt like what happens next, we don't really even know. Whereas the, I think the pathway to success is a lot more clear. This is still a very young team as well. You look at uh, especially a lot of like the big performers this year. These are all guys that are still... You know, a lot of them even on rookie deals still. Um, so, you know, for us, I, I think that that's a positive thing to, to take away from this is that you have a really good blend of, of youth and you still have obviously some, some experienced players that are going to see you through tough moments going forward. Um, Carter Hart, I think, is a little bit of – he had, I think, overall a great playoffs, mm-hmm. but he did have some bad moments, but I think some of those were just left out the dry types of, of situations. Yes. Um but, I mean, for his first playoffs, especially given, like, the circumstances yes. of them, I think a, a great success. And if you, you have him as a foundational piece especially, a, that's the type of player that the Flyers have needed, like, this entire century. <laughs> They've needed a strong goalkeeper. So if you have that now going forward, that's obviously really, really important for them. And, I mean, this is still a team with tremendous depth. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it doesn't feel that way because, you know, we're, like, banging our heads about Nate Thompson and stuff. <laughs> but realistically, Nate Thompson shouldn't. I mean, this is no disrespect to him, but it's wrong to get mad at him because he's not the one deciding his right. playing time, right? Like, A.V. deserves the, the the criticism for that. And it's also wrong because we have better players than Nate Thompson, and mm-hmm. A.V. should realize that. Again, this isn't a team that has to rely on players like that. You know, we, we have the depth. And some of those guys are injured, and some of them are still, like, on the cusp of like being a little too green to, to get in situations like that. Like Morgan Frost, I don't know that you're necessarily putting him into a playoff series now, right? Joel Farabee, like still I think had his moments. But still clearly a guy that's like finding his feet yeah. a little bit. So yeah, I mean, you know, you hope that with another year of experience, those are guys that are gonna filter through now, take some of that load off and that burden. Um but, you know, you, you just hope that this is kind of like the first chapter of, of this, mm-hmm. this story for the Flyers now and that they're going to continue to grow. And you have to believe that because, again, this is a young team. I, I don't know that I'm super worried about them. They're not in, like, contract hell either. You know, like, it's not like this team is screwed out of options. This feels more positive than, than Flyer seasons and have in the past. Kind of gives me 2007 Phillies vibes in a way where it's like they made the playoffs – first time in a while kind of overachieved a bit in in parts of the season and then you know ultimately the season comes to an end to a random ass team like the Rockies and the Islanders um but it's like one of the like you said it's one of those moments where it feels like it's just beginning and not the window closing yeah absolutely you know I, I definitely agree that there's there's definitely similarities there between like you're you're seeing some real like signs of life and again you know I think if if some of our regular season performers had showed up a little more in the playoffs, and I don't want to be too critical of them, especially just when you consider, like, just the logistics hell of this, that they were away from their families for so long, and that there's obviously no fans. Like, the, it's such a, I, I think, a really difficult situation to find yourself in as an athlete, you know, where you have to, you're so used to performing under these circumstances, right? And these guys, I think, really thrive off routine. And to have that disrupted this way, have your season disrupted, have to restart and, again, not, not have people close to you, around you, not have those just that normalcy of being, you know, in your home, not having home ice advantage, which we know was huge for the Flyers this year. You know, what a difference that could have been. Um, 
so yeah, I think all of it is is weird, you know, and and I think it's it makes it a little wonky to get too upset about about the way that this kind of unfolded, just because it's such an such an extreme circumstance that hopefully isn't repeated. Um, you know, hopefully next May, you know, the season goes on like normal and we have you know normal playoffs. It remains to be seen, obviously, if fans can be in the state and by then, who even knows? But you know, at least if you still at least have the advantage of being at home, like your literal home, that I think that is an advantage. You know that that the Flyers missed out on, and again, you know, you expect them to be one of the top teams in the East again. You know, competing for the division again and being you know one of those top top four, top five seeds. That's where you see um, really the floor for this team too. That's not even the ceiling anymore. The ceiling yeah. is like one of those top two seeds, but. Yeah, you you really expect this team to to kind of grow. You know, there's obviously going to be questions about AV and and his decision making through the course of these playoffs. Um, some of the challenges that he had were uh, based in lunacy, I think. Some of the you know rotation decisions and, and some of the line choices a little wonky for sure. I think he deserves the criticism. I don't know that he's changed out this year though, just because I. I think that's a tough sell to fire a guy when he's kind of ushered in what feels like change and whether he's solely responsible for that, who knows. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that, that might win, like, Coach of the Year, and you're going to fire him. You know, like, that's I, – I just don't know that that really works <laughs> that way. But um, we certainly need to see him making better decisions next year because I, I think uh, I think there's there's some tough breaks there. Yeah, and your, your brother said it on Twitter, you know, Coots more than likely comes home with the Selkie this year and AV wins coach of the year and nobody's really going to care because of how the season ended. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Coots deserves it. He's deserved it for <laughs> the last three, four years of his career. Um, I mean, AV does deserve credit for how this team played during the regular season. I think playoffs is where I think this is the case in all sports really where it stops being about getting guys in rhythm and making them comfortable, and it becomes a lot more tactical and a lot more, you, like, your game plan has to be much more sharp. You have to have a, just a, a really good understanding of, of actual tactics at that point, and I I felt that there was, there was weaknesses in, uh, in some of the decisions made, but um, again, you know, you hope that with with another year with this roster and, and this team, again, all the players you expect to continually improve. It's kind of like what we always thought the Sixers were going to be, where they had this like nice blend of like young talent. They'll have some like more experienced players, you know, and kind of continually grow and grow. Um, that's where the Flyers are, you know, right? But again, it's more at the beginning stage of that where you expect them now to to kick on from this. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think it's only gonna get better for this team the way that things are going and <laughs> the uh you know you have the expansion draft too so you're gonna lose some some big money contracts more than likely jvr's contract um and i mean jvr caught fire in those last couple games too which was fun to watch and you know he brought an energy to this team that i think was missing early on in the series when he was benched um but his massive contract more than likely going to be you know, heading to Seattle, some other guys' contracts going to come off the books, so you'll have some maneuverability with this Flyers team uh, going into the off season. And like we said, it's it's only getting started with them, and uh, you know, hopefully, season gets to start on time for them as well. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Flyers. And you bring up the Sixers, 
those scumbags that own the team got denied for the new arena, according to uh, Ryan W. Briggs from WHYY. Public comment overboard voted unanimously to select the uh, Durst group to uh, develop Penn's Landing. Therefore, Joshua Harris, David Blitzer, and the rest of those snakes that own our Philadelphia 76ers will not get the arena at Penn's Landing. Yeah. Um, I, I hate the idea of like taxpayer-funded stadiums like this. It's, it's stupid. It's selfish. You're a billionaire. Figure it out yourself. Uh, it shouldn't be on the taxpayers to do that. We have, especially in a city like Philadelphia, especially when you consider, you know, the financial circumstances of the past six months with everything shutting down, that the city itself is uh, going to find itself in a huge financial hole. Um, those taxes should be going to, you know, helping the citizens of, of the community, not to, you know, Josh Harris's, you know, summer house. <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, you when you buy a team, you have to. You should be under with the understanding that you may have to fund stadium redevelopments. I mean, I don't know what the five hundred million spent on the Wells Fargo Center. What I thought that was in lieu of having to do something like this, you know, because this is obviously expensive, obviously a lot to deal with. Um, and I like the way that the sports complex is right mm-hmm. now. It's nice having everything kind of just in one location like in my ideal world where like traffic and bottlenecks don't exist i'd like it to be like more towards philly right because it just you could like walk to stuff a little easier right but i mean i think it's it's pretty great as it is now um again that it's all in one spot it's really easy to get to no matter where you are um there's a line right there it comes right off i-76 like no matter where you're coming from it's it's very simple easy convenient yes um do i wish again that you had like a more like downtown feel to it and like there was like other places other than xfinity to walk to yeah but you know like you're never going to have like the ideal situation Mm -hmm. there's going to be drawbacks um but again having all the stadiums right there is like really really nice i think so it's 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 good ultimately because they don't deserve it, <laughs> and um, I hope that this doesn't mean that they try and just kind of cross the bridge and and try and convince you know New Jersey to, to do something in Camden. I would hate that for lots of reasons. One of which I hate teams that are in yes. cities and claim like like you know my one of my biggest pet peeves is like the the Giants and the mm-hmm. Jets. You know, constantly rebuild as a New York team. They're not. It takes another forty-five minutes to get to New York yep. from there. Like the only team in New York is the Buffalo Bills. Yes, and it's 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 frustrating. Um, so I, I would hate that if like the Sixers were playing Camden. Nothing against Camden. I just don't. I don't like that. And I, I don't. As a New Jersey uh, liver, I've you know taxes are already extreme yes. here. Josh Harris, build your own stadium with your own money. Uh, you bought this franchise for what three hundred million. It's now worth you sell it for like 1.2 billion. Easy, <laughs> do that then. Sell sell the team. Sell the team. Why don't you? Uh, because allegedly the 76ers uh, were asking for 780 to 885 million dollars in public incentives through a quote neighborhood improvement zone uh, to make their four billion dollar plan happen. For the record, uh, idea would be debt linked. Four billion. Four. Billion. For context, the Rams like mega complex that they're trying to build, not just for the Rams, but to host like the Olympics and stuff. That's the Chargers to be, like, are renting it. Yeah, 
is five billion, and that was like over budget. Like that was like with obviously like COVID stoppage and stuff, and like and that's an outdoor projects, arena. And and you know like construction projects typically run a little over, like, especially when you're talking something at that size. Four billion dollars. Four billion dollar plan. Idea would be debt linked to project by skimming certain new tax generated taxes generated by the development. And then there is a picture which we will tweet out from uh, the Underground Sports Philadelphia Twitter account at Underground PHI. It's just such an eyesore you know the way that like? it was going to be. That looks like a, an absolute hellacious walk in January. Oh, it, oh, it God. Is, walking through the parking lots, you know, yes. in, in, in December, January, February, you get that wind whipping through there. Even if, like, you park close, it's so cold. Right on the waterfront? Oh. Are you high? That's Oh, terrible. God. I'm, like, cringing just thinking about is, that. It's played primarily in the winter. <laughs> that sounds awful. And the way that you're building this team, we're not going to be playing in May and June, so I don't know what you're hoping for. So they, uh, the full details of the plan, which includes some footprint in Camden accessible via ferry. Again, you play in the winter. That shit's going to be frozen. Uh, yeah, who wants to take a ferry when it's 22 degrees out at 10, and 10 p.m.? It's just, this is just bad. I'm so glad this got denied. Also, Camden isn't like a... It doesn't have like the road infrastructure that because Philadelphia is a major city. Right. Camden's a big city, but it's not does not have the road. Like, have you ever? It's gone not like, like a landmark city. You know, like the Camden Aquarium that still has brick road surrounding it. Like, it's not like it's not a city that I would say is like has the capacity to hold. Let's just say forty thousand people. You know, it's. Uh, this was going to be four point two million square feet. See, I don't have like a, a realistic concept of what four point. I hear that with like, like houses that you watch those like houses shows, and they're like, "This home is four thousand square feet." I'm like, I have no concept of what four thousand square feet looks like. To to put in perspective, I believe where the studio is at my house is like twenty two hundred square feet. So like, and it's sizable. Four point two million square feet is massive. Yeah, that helps a little. <laughs> um, I'm so glad this got denied because, like you said, they don't deserve it. They're just trying to make more money off of this team. And I hope this is just the first domino of somebody saying no to Joshua Harris and David Blitzer to where they just get annoyed and are, are fed up and they end up selling the team. Maybe. I. What worries me is that like the MO of their careers is like wealth management, right? And stripping down assets... And selling them for parts or building that asset right and selling it off at, at an extreme profit. They could already do that feasibly mm-hmm. now. But let's say they do add you know, $4 billion like stadium kind of complex area to that. That makes the price obviously much higher, yielding them you know more of a sale in the end. So for me, it actually it'd be more in my mind the way that they operate. They'd actually probably be more likely to, to sell the team if this was built. Because the value then is right. at the highs it's been. You you buy the team already having. You don't have to worry about any renovations. You have a brand new facility with like tons of potential to do anything. There you go. Worst part about this though is if they were to have gotten approved for this, they wouldn't be breaking ground for eight years. Yeah. And then by the time it was built, it would be ten years down the line once their uh, agreement with Wells Fargo Center runs up in ten years, which I believe is in twenty thirty one. 
So, like, this is so long view in the grand scheme of things that, like, who even knows that, like, if when they broke ground, they'd still even be owning the team. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> sure hope not. <laughs> like, I, I hope they're so – I'm just so glad this didn't go through. Yeah, but it does worry me about what's next. What they're – because, you know, that this wasn't the only plan that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so – We'll see what what's next for the, the the snakes in charge of this team, but no no movement yet on that front office uh, restructuring. Yeah, they're loving that the uh, the draft and free agency are getting pushed back. Apparently, Billy Donovan is now a a, a, a candidate. I wanted to get your opinion on Billy Donovan. Uh, I would throw up and pack away every Sixers related <laughs> item that I have and just pack it in. Just be like, you know what? It's been a really fun lifetime of, of fandom, but I think uh I think that's it for me. If they if they that is that's not even a lateral step, that's a step down from Brett Brown. You know, Brett Brown has his, his weaknesses like we've talked about. I think Brett Brown's a better coach than, than Donovan. Um to to move to that is absolutely terrible. He's a guy that doesn't he's never really vibes well with players, has has been out coached multiple times. Like you, you, what do you what what do he's you a name? He's not even a name. He's a bad name. You know, yeah. it's not even like you're hiring like a, let's say a Mark Jackson, right, or a Stan Van Gundy, where it's like, oh, see, he's been a coach, he's been around, whatever. It's like, no, <laughs> like this is a guy that like year one was almost gonna get fired. It's mm-hmm. kind of a miracle he's made it this far. Just not a very good coach. He got lucky this year. Yes. And Certainly. my whole thing, where I would do the same thing as you would, is if Billy Donovan ended up here. It only, like, cements that Al Horford is staying. Because for those of you that don't know, Billy Donovan was Al Horford's college coach at Florida, and that absolutely terrifies me. Maybe he lands at the Kings, and we can we can send <laughs> Al out west. Handle business. Because that, that would be so on brand for this team, for Elton Brand in this front office to hire Billy Donovan and be like, oh... He coached Al Horford before, and look what Al Horford did at Florida. It, it, we're going to make this work. You just plug it in, and it makes sense, because that's worked so many times for this team, apparently. <laughs> oh, my God. That that just terrifies me. Um, there was some stuff circulating today that the Sixers are also trying to go after Chris Paul. <laughs> Here, okay, so here's my beef with Chris Paul. Um it's very hard to find a worse contract in the NBA than the two that we already have. Chris Paul's close. To, like I don't know. I, listen, yeah. I get that they've had a great season. The narrative around Chris Paul, like literally a year ago, was that it was the worst contract, and that he was done, and that he was done, and that by the way, you have lots more years to pay on it, um, and he's not someone that's gonna like go away, <laughs> um, and that he doesn't really have a sustainable style of play like long term. Like he's thirty five. If, if you're frustrated by Al Horford, if you're frustrated by Tobias Harris, Chris Paul is not the answer. Now again, I mean, that's that's if if people would rather have Chris Paul because he's at least better now, we can have that discussion. But I don't know why people are treating this as some like saving grace here, um, especially when the Thunder like again. If you were to find any other team that's also in cap hell, they're the only team that's in a worse cap situation than, than we the are. Sixers. So I'm not sure they're just willing to like swap spit with us for like, no reason. <laughs> Especially during COVID times, like, like yeah, I think if they're trading Chris Paul's contract, I would 
if I were the Thunder, right, I'd want to be getting off of that money, mm-hmm. not just taking on another bad contract. Um, even with any kind of sweetener that, that we send, that has worked for them, where they've been happy to maybe take on some money for bigger, you know, for, for like a, a, a movable asset or someone that they can develop or, you know, a good trade piece, right? But I don't know that we have that capital to do that without completely gutting the team too. Because remember, we still have to be good. Yes. So like trading Matisse, Josh Richardson, and two picks is not good for this team. I no. don't care what you say. I don't care what your opinion of Matisse is. I don't care what your opinion of Josh Richardson is. I don't care what you say about our drafting as of late. I don't even care what you say about Shake Milton like, because I've seen his name floated around in these types of trades too. Gutting what little we have just to get off a bad contract is a move that we would have laughed at and said this is why we're doing the process in like 2014. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad that it's gotten to that point. I just it um. It's exhausting. Yes. <laughs> because, again, Chris Paul is, in my mind, not the answer. And I don't even know what kind of trade package you send to Oklahoma City that A, is good enough for them to accept. Uh, B, doesn't completely leave you devoid of talent as the Sixers. And C, does Chris Paul even want to go right here? You know, like how, how excited would he necessarily be to play on his, what, uh, fourth team in five years? Like, you know, like, I just... And I, uh, I don't I don't like it. Chris Paul is under contract for essentially forty one point four million dollars next season, and then he has a twenty twenty one player option in twenty twenty one twenty twenty two. And at your age thirty six season, why in the hell would you turn down forty four point two million dollars? He's not going to. He's going to opt into that, get his money, and that more than likely will be his final season potentially in the NBA. The whole Chris Paul narrative just, the more and more I see it, the more and more I just want to, like, punch my phone. Because it literally and logistically just doesn't make sense for the Sixers to trade for Chris Paul. It's it's like taking, it's like you have two poisons in front of you and you're just choosing the one that kills you faster, you know, just to get it over with. Um, It's not an ideal situation. In some respects, like, I get, like, you know, you're going to get off the money sooner with Chris Paul, but, like, he could, by next year, he could, or this season coming up, I, I, we should really say, he could be way worse than Tobias. Right. He could be way worse than Horford is in terms of just, like, his impact. I And, again, if you, you trade for him, what does this team look like then? You know, like, you're not getting, you're definitely not getting off both Tobias and Al Horford with, no. that, with that trade. So what, like, you're still going to be in a situation where... Even once Chris Paul's contract runs down, you're still in cap hell. Mm-hmm. You still can't paying this, one or the other. This is this is the issue that teams run into, right? Where you have to, and we're not blessed, you know, to have been paying guys for past success. We were paying them off of potential performance, which hasn't, you know, appeared yet. You have to re-sign guys at big contracts within your team because you can't literally cannot afford to lose them. It's the same reason Chris Middleton had insane leverage last year with the Bucks. Is that if he left, they had no way to sign other players. They, they literally could not. They had to pay him what he wanted to keep him on this team. And it was and it was a stupid decision, obviously, to let Brogdon go, but it was mm-hmm. the same circumstance with him where they didn't want to go that deep into it. Sixers are in the same way. Even once Chris Paul's done, who like, you can't re- replace him with anyone because you, you're over that cap still. Like I don't think people, And you gave everybody else away. I don't think people quite realize the terrible financial situation the Sixers mm-hmm. are in. Like this is the second highest wage bill in the league 
Like, this is a historic tax level that you're going to be paying. The, like, the Warriors didn't want to pay this. That's <laughs> why Kevin had, Durant is in Brooklyn. And and they were one of the, the, the best teams of the decade, one of the best teams I've ever seen in my life. And they're like, uh, this is steep for us. We're yep. gonna have to, and and they're kind of having to rebuild on the fly a little bit. And they just happen to have, an, I don't know, one of the two best shooters of all time on their team, and one of the most interesting Swiss Army knives of a player that that's ever that, that you. And ever the seen. number two overall draft pick now. Right. Way better situation. Who will be cheaper than what they were paying Kevin Durant? And a great coach. And an organization that seems committed to winning. And a, a beautiful new stadium that they can't put fans in. <laughs> Man. Am I jealous of the Warriors? I mean, with, let's, is that new? I don't know. Fair. It's just, I, again, I, I can't stress that people have these, like, delusions of grandeur here that you're going to, like, be able to get off this, this wild ride that we're on. And, like, I'm sorry to say, but, like... You're strapped in. This is like getting... This is like crying when the roller coaster's going up the hill. Like, yes. the time to get off the ride was five Before minutes they ago. Before they go. You, you missed it. Like, you're you're in. Well, you you don't like it. You're obviously upset. But, like... Sorry about your luck. Coaster, and you're going to have to... <laughs> you're just going to have to deal with it for however long it lasts. And that's that's just the reality. We're all strapped in. And there's something... We, we can do about it. We just have to sit here and cry. And That's Chris it. Paul is not the eject button. No. Chris Paul is not getting you off the ride. It's making your seatbelt he, tighter. The, he's not the medical emergency that's going to get you out of this. Because uh, even then, you're going to be stranded in midair waiting for a fire truck to come get you. <laughs> which is probably worse. You might as well just ride out the roller coaster. But Chris Paul is only... Again, it's like a, it's just a short-term mm-hmm. remedy. Like it's, it's, not, it's not even a remedy, in my opinion. It's not, it's not something... I don't think he even moves the needle for this team. No. I, again, because of what you have to give up to get him. Yep. That's in Chris Paul himself. If you could just put Chris Paul on this team, then hell yeah, obviously. But that's obviously not how it's going to work. You're going to have to give up valuable pieces of this team again. We've already, we've already done that. I don't even know how many times over the last two <laughs> years now. And where does that leave you? Because you're, you're sort of... You're like you're just whittling off pieces of wood of this team, and like you, you only have so much left. It doesn't regenerate. It, you, you, you are not put, Wolverine. You're not putting the pieces back on either. You're not adding wood to the other end of the stick. Now like you just keep cutting and cutting and cutting, and what's left? You know, like you, you're only gonna have Embiid and Ben to work with. And that's what it feels like now. Yeah, and and, and again, that's so. What you want to get rid of the only depth we have? I just, I, I have, I have issues. Yeah. Stop with the Chris Paul nonsense. Um, one name I have heard before we uh, keep it pushing. How do you feel about Zach Levine? Because his name has also come up a ton, and I know there's there's two different ends of this spectrum as well. A lot of people are, are leaning towards wanting Zach Levine because he can shoot. Feels like he'd be a good complement with Ben and Embiid. But it's also, you know, and he's he's younger than I even thought he was. He's only 24. But it's also like, is Zach Levine the guy you want to be the third quote-unquote superstar on this? It feels very Tobias-ish. I I would, in a vacuum, like Zach Levine on this team. But again, he doesn't have the greatest of contracts. You're going to have to pay him quite a bit. I don't know what his price necessarily is, but you're giving up. And again, I, I don't know that you're exactly going to get like... Are you going to be able to trade like an Al Horford or Tobias for him, right? And again, what does the team look like after you do that? 
I don't know that the Bulls are necessarily in a position where they're going to want to pay either. They're rebuilding right mm-hmm. now, right? Like, Zach Levine itself is already, like, that's a big payout for them. That was a big contract for them to sign and, and a lot of faith placed in him. But, like, are they necessarily willing on to take a long-term deal, especially when they have rookies now that or, or younger players now that they're going to be looking to have to re-sign, similar to how we were with, like, Embiid and Ben, where we knew, okay, we're going to have to sign these guys to big money. You know, we, we have to be building smart. Would it be smart for them to to take one of Horford and Tobias? Again, you, these these teams don't exist as, like, charities for the Sixers to dump their, their bad contracts off. Um, and that comes with a price. We should know during the process we were the home of, hey, sell us your bad contracts and we'll take a pick for it. Uh, well, it's going to cost more than that, especially when you're talking about the contracts we are. So for me, like, Zach Levine, he's a good player. To me, he's always, like, felt to me a little bit of like a hollow stats kind of guy but I do think he could obviously be impactful here but I, I think it's it's a similar situation you find yourself in and what are you giving up to get him and what does the team look like after that and how do you how do you realistically get the Bulls to sign off on taking on one of Horford or Tobias right because the thing I've seen floated around is the OKC pick Horford Josh Richardson and Zaire I mean, the only two positive assets in that are Josh Richardson and the OKC pick. Mm-hmm. That's it. And Josh Richardson isn't even a long-term contract either. Like, he's right. cheaper than Zach Levine, right? But that's not someone that you're at least have, like, say he inked the deal this year, right? Where you have him, okay, you have him for... And Josh Richardson is on a, a lower-end contract, which is helpful to... It mm-hmm. would be helpful to a team like the Bulls. It's helpful towards a team like us. But he's not locked up long-term. You're going to have to pay him, too. And again... Why Why are the Bulls wanting to do that? What is their motivation to do that? They're not in a win-now situation. No. I think the Bulls are comfortable with the rebuild that they have now. You know, they have a decent young corner. They have Wendell Carter. They have Markkinen, Kobe White. Like They have guys that they're, they're comfortable building around, clearly. And I don't know that they're willing to, to rush to change that exactly. You know, And I, I, I just think um, I don't see it happening. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be a long off season. That's for sure because things keep getting delayed. Draft trade machines. Yes. <laughs> uh, draft and free agency pushback. There's talk that the draft is gonna be end of October. We'll see if that happens. Maybe opening night. Uh, <laughs> they'll have like the players that they drafted just come out of the tunnel, you know, and get introduced. That's when the Sixers' new head coach will be introduced as well. Right. Right. Um, All picks have actually been made by a fish in the Schuylkill. They just put a bunch of uh, balls in the in the river, and just whichever one the fish went up to first, that's who they select. Probably be a better... Probably. Well, apparently, I don't know if you heard this, apparently we took a really analytics approach to signing uh, two big men for like uh, $2 billion. Apparently analytics were the problem with the Sixers team. I hate this front office. Uh, before we move on to uh, the Eagles and the Phillies, got to talk to you guys about our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Doing the damn thing the right way. Like I say every show, you see me if you're watching on Twitch and Facebook wearing my Blue Light Plus glasses. My eyes feel so much less stressed when I'm wearing them. Looking at computer screens all day, doing stuff for the podcast, watching shows on uh, you know various streaming platforms. Uh, just recently started watching The Boys. Very impressed so far. I, uh, I got the peacock tv which is fantastic by the way and uh one of my favorite shows of all time psych is on there 
been back into binge mode there. After binging 40 seasons to survive, I was a little burnt <laughs> out from TV in general besides sports. Um, so I'm like dipping my toes back in with a familiar familiar love. Very uh, very fun stuff happening on these streaming platforms. And obviously you guys know we got our podcast streamer season as well. Make sure you check that out uh, when you get a chance. But our friends at Tomahawk Shades are doing the damn thing with this Blue Light Plus collection that they have. Protect your eyes. You know, you only get so much use out of them elongate that process check out tomahawkshades.com check out the blue light plus glasses their sunglasses are fantastic and uh right now free shipping on all orders over 75 dollars they've got their rewards program hawk points every dollar you spend you earn a hawk point when you sign up you automatically get 100 hawk points in your account and uh there's various ways to earn hawk points uh and they're gonna hook you guys up big time Right off the bat, when you go and check out, I know uh, I was talking to our intern Harrison today. He's got like 13 pairs in his cart right now, just waiting to to pull the trigger. And, uh, you know, can't have too many pairs of Tomahawk shades. But when you use the promo code USP at checkout, you get 25% off your entire order. It's absolutely stupid. They've been rocking with us since the beginning of quarantine. So shout out to Tomahawk shades. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP, saves you 25% off your order on a quality product for an affordable price. Check out our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Still need sunglasses in the winter, by the way. Light Absolutely. Off that snow. Oh, my goodness. I, it's a must I feel like I wear sunglasses almost an equal amount of time in the winter that I do in the summer. Yeah. I find myself wearing sunglasses outside more, like if I'm just yes. outside in the summer, obviously. But, I mean, in the winter, like, there's definitely... Definitely lots of times you need them because <laughs> especially you like bright driving home like that early afternoon when the sun is just Draw beaming right in you. uh just a necessity and they're doing it the right way Matt the Eagles named their uh eight team captains today uh three on offense three on defense two on special teams the obvious Carson Wentz named a captain yet again Jason Kelsey and Jason Peters your other offensive captains Defense, Brandon Graham uh, leading the way. Rodney McLeod, a first-time captain now that Malcolm Jenkins is in New Orleans. And I um, believe the third defensive captain, I will find it in just a second, but the two special teams captains, Duke Riley, who they traded for last season, who has kind of just like taken Philadelphia by storm on social media, tweeting like almost every day that he loves Philly. Um, and was really good when they traded for him last year. So very awesome to see Duke Riley kind of get rewarded for the way that he's played. And then uh, Craig James, the corner who kind of burst onto the scene last year from the practice squad, and uh, he he's your other special teams captain, and I'm absolutely stupid for forgetting Fletcher Cox, also defensive captain. So. It happens. I mean, all good names. It's definitely, a, I don't want to say surprises, but... You know, I think some eyebrow razors in there, but pretty much chalk there. You know? Yeah, like all especially guys, offense and defense. Yeah, but know, special uh, teams is always a little bit of wild card because those are guys that maybe more like more, more fringe in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing them all the time necessarily. Like sometimes it's a kicker. Yeah, but uh, Duke Riley and Craig James are special teams captains. Rodney McLeod, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham your defensive captains, and then Jason Peters, left tackle Jason Peters, I should say, uh, 
Jason Kelsey and Carson Wentz, the captains for the Philadelphia Eagles, but we're in, we're in game week for well, the I'm NFL. Getting, I'm getting my last fantasy drafts in right now. I've discovered best ball, which I didn't know so until fun. this summer was like a, 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 a game mode or like a platform. Um, I am currently in, uh, I don't know how many, but it's like... <laughs> It's probably like sixteen best ball. Best leagues. ball is fun because it's great because you don't have to like worry about like right. tinkering. Like you know, like leagues can be a little monotonous, especially like public ones where it's like, how really engaged are you when you don't have anything at stake? Mm-hmm. It's so nice because it's just mock drafting with a little more consequence, yep. which is a lot of fun. But now I'm doing some DraftKings one as well for some some quiche. So I'm getting my last. It's amazing. Like we're one one night away from football being back. Almost 24 hours away. I mean, I was incredibly skeptical of... Yes. And I still am, because, by the way, uh, baseball, right? We didn't have outbreaks right. until I, the first games are played, and it... Uh, uh, shout out to the Marlins. Yeah, thanks. Um, so there's still time to be upset, <laughs> but uh, I, I am surprised and excited and nervous about the, the season starting, but, I mean, you don't get a better opening game I don't think than the Chiefs and Texans like that's if you could dream up like two like ideal teams mm-hmm. like that that's as that's kind of a pseudo rivalry it, yeah like that's about as good as it gets um for for an opening night two incredible quarterbacks same draft class two of the highest paid quarterbacks in NFL history <laughs> uh and I mean like you said it, we were both very skeptical about the NFL with no bubble being such a you know such a contact sport in each other's faces. I have to tip my hat to the NFL and the way that they have handled everything to this point. Very few positive cases. You know, we had that one weird surge of, of 77 guys testing positive, but it was just a uh, a mishap by a, a lab. And uh, the next day with the, the rapid testing, all 77 of those guys tested negative. So, very impressed by the way the NFL has handled all of this, and it's crazy to think that, like, today, I was watching uh, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show today, he said, it's crazy to think that a team right now is traveling to go to an NFL game, because yeah. it's been such a weird off season and football kind of just snuck up on us. Yeah, because I think we, I think a lot of people, especially, like, again, when baseball started back up and they had the, the opening season troubles... I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is... This is bad. Imagine the NFL. <laughs> you know, with <laughs> double the roster size, way more physical, way more contact, way more coaches. Um, but again, up to this point, they've done what... And I think what's interesting, too, is like, we criticized baseball for not having like more infrastructure and more policing and more of an actual structure to their plan. I'm not super, super familiar with like how much testing, how regularly. I know that they have those, like, watches, obviously, that can detect, like, early, like, signs. And I know there's ones even that will alert you if you've been within. Mm-hmm. Like, they know the proximity of other watches yeah. and will alert you if you've been in close contact with someone who's now positive. Like Media types, members have it. Yeah, like, all types of, of – and, yeah, media members have been distanced as well, like, at, at, at practices and training camp. Um, so they've done a good job up to this point of, of limiting in the way that you want – you know, they have, like, they've, uh, what, doubled the size of the practice squads, right, to, like, alleviate yeah. the, and which is something I think probably sticks around. I don't know if it'll be double the size, but, like, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if you see, like, 
that number bumped up mm-hmm. in the future because I, I don't really know what the negative aspect to having a larger practice squad is besides having to obviously pay some guys a little more. But, like, I mean, it's not like these guys are making, like... And anybody's guys. eligible for the practice squad yeah, this year. Allowing, like, veterans, like, to be on it. Like, that's, you know... Welcome back, Josh McCown. Welcome <laughs> Best job in the world. Oh my god! Getting paid twelve thousand dollars a week just to stay at home and in mesh shorts. Good for him. I mean, if listen, that's a great job if you can get it. (laughs) But good luck. And God forbid anything happens, there's your your quarantine quarterback. Yeah, and I mean he's not honestly as far as backup quarterbacks goes. Could have a lot worse. A lot worse. You could do a lot worse with starting quarterbacks. Yes, a lot (laughs) of teams are. Yeah, I mean it's it's I've been impressed with the NFL's response and i like the way too because a lot of people were freaking out when the roster cutdowns happened and guys were getting placed on ir injured reserve this year you're only out a minimum of three games so you can come back and any number of guys can come back so you can have these like phantom ir stashes i kind of like that move by the nfl for allowing teams to you know reduce the length of injured reserve it's not boom your season's over it's you know you're at a minimum of three weeks, and if you're better, come on back. It's it's kind of similar to the the injured list in baseball, where you're out ten days, and if you're good, you're good. If not, you extend your stay on the injured list. I think the NFL should adopt that rule moving forward, if uh, they can get a handle on it. It's not being you know abused and everything. I think this style of injured reserve should be the new norm. Yeah, I think that's the one thing though is that it could potentially be like could be some gamesmanship with mm-hmm. some decisions being made, but ultimately I think. It's probably better for players in the, yeah. in the long run, right? Um, and I think a league that's constantly looking to look like it's looking out for players, <laughs> this is it would be a good like PR move, right? To be like, oh, well, we really care about our players, you know. So, I, I think again, it's it's exciting that we're gonna have real NFL games to watch with no this, fans this in the stands. No fans, um, but I think we're pretty used to that at this point. Uh, it's definitely gonna be jarring seeing like big open stadiums yes. with nothing. I'm curious to see like what they're going to be doing. I know, like, a lot of MLS teams have had those, like, big tarps with, like, messages Mm -hmm. and stuff and, of course, advertising. Um, (laughs) So I'm looking forward to seeing, like, Viagra and Bud Light on. on, DraftKings. DraftKings on everyone's uh, stadiums. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's, um, it's going to be a lot of fun having football back. And it's it's weird, too, because you're going to have so many sports all at the same time. You're going to have playoffs, basketball and hockey, you're going to have, which is typical to have baseball this time of year, mm-hmm. but, like, it's, like, a weird baseball season, um, and the games are much more meaningful. Like, yes. they're almost playing playoffs already. So, yeah, it's it's going to be definitely a, a bit of a culture shock, I think. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I just recorded episode one of season three of Eagles Enemies today with a friend of the show, Lake Lewis, who covers the Washington football team and uh, got some great insight. He said that, off-season fantasy darling Antonio Gibson. If you put him next to Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, they are about the same size, and his thighs are the size of a tree trunk. Breaking news. So. Professional athletes, very good looking. <laughs> uh, this game's going to be a lot of fun, and it's always fun opening the season against Washington because there's the you know few-year-old joke now that Eagles win the Super Bowl when they open against Washington. So uh, we'll see if that... You know, holds true. Not sure if it will, but uh, like we said, football's back. And uh, we're about 24 hours away from uh, Thursday Night Football with the Chiefs and the Texans. And if you need fantasy football advice, you should go check out 
the boys over at Fourth and Goal USP. You can see it right here if you're watching live. We got our giveaway on the table here. Signed Cortland Sutton mini helmet. All you got to do is follow them at Fourth and Goal USP on Twitter and uh, retweet the tweet. It's pretty simple for a pretty awesome uh, prize right there. But speaking of baseball, Matt, we are on the verge of the most important series of the Philly season starting tomorrow, a seven-game series against the friggin' Miami Marlins. I felt my chest get a little tighter when you said that. My heart, yeah. Want to talk about playoffs? Heartbeat definitely went up. We got a we got a game advantage going into the series. Is that gone by <laughs> in a week and a half? And mind you, Atlanta plays Miami tonight. Yeah. So like, one way or another, it's gonna help the Phillies, but it's also gonna be like, who do I want to win? I would, I would like it to go fifteen innings. Yes, uh, ideally, <laughs> that would be that would probably be all the best bullpen pitchers used. Um, and the Braves lose because ultimately I'd rather be in first place, have a chance of um, winning the division mm-hmm. than having to go through a wild card and having to play the Padres and get smashed by them <sighs> and cry. <laughs> but uh, Marlins are up two nothing right now, bottom of the second. So not fantastic, but seven game series. We've talked about it. Bigger than this. It's essentially a playoff warm up. Any way you look at it, you're gonna get a chance to. Uh, Face off against Sixto Sanchez in one of these double headers, who looks like a young Pedro. And um, JT Real Muto still doesn't have a contract yet. But this is, you know, I, I said it to a bunch of people today. The Phillies need to win five out of these seven games. That that's the the outcome you want, so that you distance yourself enough from the Marlins. You're playing more games in this amount of time than the Braves, so you have a chance to, you know leapfrog them you need to win five out of seven at worst four out of seven you have to win this series yeah, you, at, at a minimum we need to win this series and um you know again like you said to keep this marlins also I just looked up cardinals are, are playing the tigers as well i think they have a pretty brutal schedule going into it this is the other team that i'm like worried about with uh you know going into the stretch for the wild card they have the tigers and the reds coming up then the brewers um Pirates, I mean, that's... that's Royals and Brewers. You know, like, you you also have to be aware of, like, who's around you with the wild card, right? Um, Obviously, like, the the Padres are a team that I I don't want to (laughs) face. Like, I really... If we can avoid having to to do a play-in game, I, like, please, (laughs) for the love (laughs) of God. Because it's kind of like, you know, like, last year, like... We're taught, and I think we were only saying this because we were upset. We were saying, "Well, we don't want to go to the wild card anyway, and get smashed by the Dodgers or whatever." Like, you know, yeah, like I agree. Like, you know, to win the wild card means you have a tough matchup still. But like, I re- like, I would be so disappointed for this team to have had like a good season and like make the wild card just to get absolutely throttled by yeah. San Diego. Like, that would have that that will that will hurt. So yeah, I, because San Diego literally went bonkers at the trade deadline and literally upgraded every position possible plus you they have the more than likely mvp in fernando tassis jr they got manny machado and for the most part they've been pitching well which the (laughs) phillies have not (laughs) which worries me so if we could if we could pull up the division that would be great and that would mean we're not far behind too you know when you consider that we still have I think we're three games like behind in terms of like played the the Braves. 
only a game and a half. Like yeah, same amount of losses. You win those games in hand, and like you're you're there. I, I don't necessarily expect this. Although if this series goes the way we want it to, right. that's the way it, it could go. Um, obviously, I think you know the Mets series didn't go very well, uh, which we were. I think we we jinxed ourselves a little bit. <laughs> Um, you split with Boston in a doubleheader, which I didn't even realize was a doubleheader until I take it. I saw I saw the walk off, and I was like, "Nice!" And then I was like, "Then I got a score update like an hour and a half later." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very confused by that, and I think we've split every doubleheader uh, this year so far, which isn't like that crazy. Like it's, it's yeah, hard makes to win. sense, but especially with our bullpen. Um, so I expect us to, to do the same when we have the, the doubleheader against Miami. But And Atlanta has four games against Washington this week. Tough, tough team to play. I mean, Obviously not doing great this year, but I mean, that pitching is obviously still no joke. That is not disappearing. They still have an offense that can hit, yes. and it's a divisional game. You get up for the division games, and it's tough to win three out of four in a, a four-game series like that. So, I mean, there is a, a realistic chance that by the end of this this weekend, the Phillies could find themselves in first place if if everything goes right, Man, which we, we all know. We're really poking the bear, aren't we? we are nothing really... ever goes right for this team. I can't wait to come back next weekend. We're in third place, like <laughs> two games behind the Marlins. <laughs> Go two and five. Uh, this because team is, this team is so ready to disappoint us. Oh yes, they're so ready. They're like, ah. and it just has to be against the Marlins. We had a great August. Now wait till you see the second half of September. <laughs> because you're gonna get at least one start from Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and Zach Eflin, who I feel good about from those three. Who knows what Jake Arrieta is gonna show up? You're more than likely gonna get a Vince Velasquez game. You and then have in the second doubleheader, because I mean, like, we know we're, we're probably dropping that game anyway. Just... I was saying <laughs> Vince Velasquez should be the start of the bullpen game because you're you're realistically you're gonna have to have a bullpen game in this series. Yes. Let Vince go two, three innings, and then just let it go to the bullpen because you know that game is more than likely you're chalking it up as an L, and then hopefully you work in a way to get another Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler start in this series one way or another. Um, but that's going to be the most interesting part for both of these teams is how these managers kind of maneuver their pitching staffs from the starters to the bullpen and how they determine who's getting multiple starts in a seven-game series during the regular season. Because, by the way, this is the last off day of the Philly season. They play every day for the next, what, like two and a half, three weeks, and they have multiple double headers sprinkled in there as well. Um so this is going to – it's no longer a marathon. <laughs> this is a sprint to the finish, and you're going to be hit with sandbags along the way. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be a wild ride with this Phillies team the next seven games. Seven games in five days. That's just – To be immortal. Absurd. And then you get two against the Mets – or three against the Mets at home. Four games against the Blue Jays at home where one of those games you are the road team, and we all know what happened with this team against Toronto the last time they played. Uh, and then four games at Washington. One of those is a doubleheader. And then you finish on the road uh, at Tampa Bay. They do have one other off day, uh, and that's the the travel between the Washington and Tampa Bay series. So 
You spend it on a plane. <laughs> Fun. Going to a uh, COVID capital of the world. Oh, man. This team. You just go just to go play the best team in baseball uh, for, for what could be uh, your shot at potentially winning the division or get, getting into the wild card. Because if they win the division, they get matched up against the Cardinals. And outside of a couple guys, the Cardinals don't really scare me that much. And I'd much prefer that matchup to the Padres. Uh, my 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 feeling is avoid the Padres at all costs because yes. um, while Noah and and Wheeler have like inspired a lot of confidence in me between the two of them, um, I shudder at what Fernando Tatis Jr. would do <laughs> to any of our pitchers. To Michael Phelps, oh, I'm sorry, David Phelps. <laughs> I would love to see Michael Phelps throw a heater at Fernando Tatis Jr. and see what happens. I mean, that would be. <sighs> track how far it goes but i um yeah i, I that's not something i really want to see no <laughs> and also the irony of uh on labor day brandon workman pitching because it is labor watching that year. man pitch it's that kind of year where just everything's just on the nose oh watching that guy pitch is pain and uh our pal jack fritz calls him uh dollar store lidge i don't even think that's that's even an insult you, to Brad Lidge. You find some good finds at the dollar store. That's true. He is he is the one miss at least. <laughs> dollar store implies, you know, too that like it's a good value, you know, and true. Like going that like people seek out things at the dollar store. Like, oh, we're gonna hit the dollar store, like get some stuff because it's cheap, you know. I'm not sure that the same can be said of a lot of this bullpen. No. <laughs> I think a lot of this bullpen would be left on a thrift store's back step. Shout out Macklemore. In the night. I mean, the thrift store, I mean no disrespect to the thrift store. Not at all. I just mean that there's such little value that they would be donated. <laughs> yes. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, go Union. Very true. Big, big, big win. Brendan Aronson. What a beast. Fantastic. Um, one of the best teams in the MLS right now. Which, by the way, is still going on very well. I was, I was, again, very skeptical. Of, yes, <laughs> of, <laughs> we were. Especially having fans in the stadium Whoa. seems absolutely insane to me. I know the Cowboys are saying they're going to do the same. There's like well. five or six NFL teams that have said week one that there's going to be fans. And it's like the Colts who are in a dome, uh, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, which both of those teams would be over normal capacity anyway, uh, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, I believe. Are, are having fans tomorrow night? We'll find out. Um, and then I know a bunch of teams have just gotten cleared for week three to have at like from 10 to 20% capacity. Oh, Wild. Okay. Oh, Wild. Not looking forward to the, uh, the Snapchats of people tailgating this weekend. Oh. Uh, if you go out, just wear a mask. Wear a mask. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have normal stuff again. <laughs> Oh man, Brendan Aronson, Alec Bohm, same initials, just reversed. Two, two absolute gems. Boys with two beautiful sets of hair that have, uh, have captured my heart, and will certainly at some point in my life break it. So great strength, one with the legs, one with it's one true. with the arms. Love it. Uh, I also love that Didi Gregorius uses the giraffe emoji for Alec Bohm. Which I don't get. Like he is a little like definitely is like a little leggy. I think it's because he's tall. Yeah. Must he's like six five. Yeah. But I mean, that feels like a that feels like an Eflin, you know, like yeah. But Eflin's like 
He's massive. Yes. I like forget. Like sometimes I look at him like Jesus Christ. Like he is he big. Can, he can play like what was the uh, the the mon- the monster the the big like Frankenstein guy from that old uh, old oh show? Uh, Herman Monster. Yes. <laughs> or, or Lurch. <laughs> like that's that the one. Just Lurch. <laughs> <laughs> like he's huge. He's just a Hulk. He's not just tall. Like he's yeah. barrel chested. Like. I'm amazed sometimes that he's a pitcher, not like a lumberjack or something. <laughs> uh, there it is. Zach Eflin is Lurch, name of the episode. Uh, as always, guys, make sure you're following us on social media, at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Tons and tons of content coming out on both of those platforms, especially with the return of Eagles football this Sunday. So make sure you're following us there. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. And make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how you felt about this flyer season. The Sixers getting denied. You can go and laugh at the owners in our Apple Podcast reviews. Your thoughts on the Eagles season. And uh, who you want to see the Phillies potentially play in the playoffs if they do get there. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. And you can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And make sure you're following the Twitch channel if you're watching live, twitch.tv slash PHI. Sunday morning, all football season long, 11.30 to 12.30, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time to 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we will have the Breakfast Blitz morning fantasy football show with the 4th and Goal guys. I'll be on there. Dylan will be on there. Mikey Ostrowski will be on there. A bunch of appearances getting you ready for your fantasy matchups up until that last minute. Twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. Follow the channel so you get that push notification on your mobile device of choice to know when we go live. And uh show would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Dusharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall. Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Violent, of course. Our kick-ass merch provider, DesignTree, DSGNTree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia and use the promo code DSGN5. Save yourself $5 off at checkout. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP. Takes 25% off your entire order. And then, of course, our awesome new friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Code USP saves you 20% off your order and you get free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code USP for 20% off and free shipping. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 264. We'll be back this weekend previewing Eagles and Washington football team and anything else that goes on in this crazy world of Philadelphia sports. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off... Like we said, wear your friggin' masks. Peace. Did you know there was an earthquake last night? I saw something about that, and I was like, what? I guess I I must have slept through it or something. It was like... Maybe I woke up and I just didn't remember. I forget where they said it, like, really hit. It's like central New Jersey. Yeah.